0: Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Say What Again Billy Podcast. It is Season 3, Episode 71. It's been a few weeks since I gave you an episode because I wanted to gather material get a whole bunch of topics and subjects to open up Season 3. And I feel like I've done that. I've accomplished that. It's been enough time. And there's a lot to get into in Season 3. A lot of talk about UFOs. A whole bunch of paranormal stories and topics. And some conspiracy theories to get into a whole bunch of people that are waiting to get onto my podcast and talk with me and have interviews and have some more free talk paranormal episodes and a whole bunch of other things. But in the span of the three weeks, almost three weeks that I haven't produced an episode, there's been a lot of things in paranormal news. So we're going to get right into it. As everybody heard this week, Queen Elizabeth II died. She was alive from uh, 1927 or 1947. Actually, she was born 1922nd. 26th, and she had a spouse that was born, uh, Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, from 1947 to 2021. She died on September 8th, 2022, this past week, so that was something that made headlines, and there was a lot of mixed reactions that ensued from her death, but yes, she did die, she did pass away, and um, that was a sour note for the land of the UK over the pond, so that was something that was pretty major and I found this interesting a sonar image appeared to show a 50 foot megalodon shark but in later studies the scientists that were out on this border ended up seeing that it was a whole bunch of mackerel I found that story in the fox 5 news this week and that I actually saw the picture and I was like no way and then I read into the story and I was like well that makes a lot of sense And that goes to show you how cryptids can be so easily misconstrued when something is seen out in the open like that. And the last piece of news right here is I found this pretty interesting. and something I've never talked about yet as far as going into horror movies and cryptids. Uh, Archaeologists discovered a 17th century Polish vampire with a sickle across her neck meant to prevent a return from the dead. This was on September 4, 2022, and I read this on the Insider. And it's pretty interesting. They they knew right away it was a female, judging by the bone density and everything like that. And there was a sickle uncovered going across her neck so that if she were to get up from her tomb or crypt, what they found, that she'd immediately be beheaded, which is, you know, one of the ways that apparently vampires were to be killed. And that's all the news I have for you to kick off the Say What Again Billy Podcast Season 3, Episode 71. Now, as my background music dies down, today I'm filming this episode on September 11th. And I am no stranger and no one that listens to this podcast, I'm pretty sure, um, no one does not know about September 11th. The events that took place, I believe, 20 years now. And... Before I get into the episode, I wanted to talk about my day that day, and it was for me a freshman year of high school, and I had just started, you know, a new journey into education. I had went from grammar school, where I was in a Catholic high school, a uh, Catholic grammar school, going into a Catholic high school, an all boys school, St. Raymond's High School for boys in the Bronx, a very great school. The teachers there do a very great job. Something that. If I can go back to time and do it all again, it's something that I would 100% do. It was freshman year, and I had a senior that was a friend that my father knew and introduced me to. And he was a senior, and I was a freshman, and there was a media room. And it was on the first floor of the building, the first floor of the school. And I think a little after 9 o'clock or a quarter to 10, I remember walking, changing classrooms. The bell would go off, and you change the classrooms. I remember seeing him, and his name was Vinny. I remember seeing him walking down the hallway, and he passed by me, and he's Billy, did you hear the news? He says, there's no more Twin Towers. And I looked at him, I'm like, what are you talking about? And as he passed by and said that to me, I looked into the media room, and I just saw a whole bunch of smoke on the TV. And we had a big screen TV in the media room, and that's where teachers would reserve the room to show episodes of something, or teach something in particular, using the TV screen. And it was what I saw on the TV as I passed by. I saw a whole bunch of clouds on the TV. It was pretty extraordinary to see that. And a announcement came on the loudspeaker announcing the news when we got to Homeroom. And we were going to be dismissed a little bit early. I think I had a free period last that day. And eventually I had went home. Now where I lived on Morris Park and Lerding Avenue in the Bronx, I had became very good friends with the landlord the landlord was very good friends with myself and my family and even though he shouldn't have done this but we're talking like years ago 20 years now he gave me and my father and mother access to the roof so that if we wanted to go up and catch fresh air and see the fireworks from Macy's parade and things like that we were able to go onto the roof even though it's typically not allowed or something that's you know forbidden in most buildings he gave us access to the rooftop of the building and I had went up there with my VHS camera, and I went to where I would see the skyline normally. I could, from the roof of where I used to live, I could see the skyline of New York City. I could see the, you know, Empire State Building, the Twin Towers, and some on certain days I even think I could see glimpses of like other particular buildings in Manhattan. But when I looked to the spot, the spot where Manhattan, Manhattan would, you know, the skyline. There was just a cloud of smoke, and I remember filming and just in shock as a kid, and my neighbors who were friends from downstairs, a couple floors down, because this was a building, an apartment building, they came up, and their names were Nick and Mike, and they looked, and we talked about that, and the next day we were off from school because we didn't know what was going on, and the rest of the week was just a crazy week to be alive during that time this was a time where we were hit by surprise, by terrorists. We unified very quickly, and even though it was one of the sadder and most devastating days in our history, most recent history, we came together quickly and formed such a patriotic bond during that time span that I haven't seen since then, unfortunate to say. And... I wanted to take the time to thank all the heroes that took part in that day, whether they were MOS, members of service, or civilians that knew they had to do something to help everybody that was affected or involved in the attack, from getting people out of buildings to getting them off the streets being trampled and covered in soot and dirt, so everyone that was involved during that time, I wanted to take time to thank them for their service and their heroicism heroism, Um and their heroics that um command butchered that word, heroism, but um taking the time to thank them and know that if they're no longer here, that they were appreciated and they will forever be known as heroes, from the police officers to the firefighters to the civilians to the people shipped in from Jersey to help and Connecticut and all over the United States to help and go through the rubble days later. And a friend of mine that ended up having a cancer related to 9-11, my friend Pat McGovern, who was down there digging through the rubble rubble, and years later, just a few years ago, passes away because of 9-11 related injuries. So we want to take a time to... Never forget, I wanted to thank everybody that were heroes that day, and just never forget 9-11, because it is a day that will forever live in infamy. Now getting into this episode of the Say What Again, Billy podcast, season 3, episode 71, it's going to be something related to military. A story circulated around the internet a few years ago, and it's the story of OP Rock, Afghanistan. Now, OP Rock Afghanistan was a outpost, basically, for troops to go there and stay for a certain amount of time to basically get intel and defend a certain area from the Taliban in Afghanistan. And there was a lot of history that soldiers that went there that did not, they didn't know the history until pretty much after the events took place. And it's something that I wanted to get into. Because it is quite an extraordinary um, story. So it pretty much goes something like a military uh, unit, or Marines, were going to be deployed in OP Rock, observation post Rock, Afghanistan. And upon arriving, they knew they were going to be there for a long time. These deployments were usually from anywhere from 30 to 60 days there was only seven members of a unit going there. These Marines were going to this unit, this this post, to spend 30 to 60 days, and there was only seven of them. Now, when they got their intel and their objective and what to do, they went out to Afghanistan and they got to the outpost where they met up with people that were already there. So, basically, friendlies, because in a sense with war terms, there are friendly, we have allies. And when the American Marines went there, there was a British regiment there, a British unit of special forces, and they were already there. And what usually happens is the protocol to this is that the unit that was already there will take the oncoming unit and show them around the outpost to pretty much give them the heads up of what can happen and what can take place. Vantage points the Taliban might have in the horizon. And pretty much let them know like, hey, this is where you can cook safely without being seen. This is where you can wash. This is where you can go use the bathroom. This is a vantage point that we have. This is somewhere where you, you can't Peek your head out because you'll get shot. And when the United States troops, the Marines came there and met with the British troops, they were packing up immediately and totally not following the protocol to show the Marines around the outpost. So one of these Marines met up with the British troop and they were all trying to get out of there as quick as possible. But there was this one British troop that went up to the Marine and basically said... Listen, whatever you find here, make sure that if you pull it from the ground, you put it back in the ground. Do not dig in the ground here. And the Marine looked at the British troop like, what are you talking about? Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, you know, like he was completely dumbfounded by what this troop was saying. And after, you know, some time, the British troops ended up leaving and it came to nightfall and one of the commanding officers of the unit said that he would take the post of keeping guard all night first. And on the very first night, or within the first few nights of getting there and spending this 30-day to 60-day military um, assignment, while he was looking over in the desert, and there's many ways of looking into the desert. There's thermal vision and binoculars. And thermal vision would basically be more of a way to detect movement in the dark because it will give a thermal vision, uh, thermal image through the binocular. And you can pretty much see, like, hey, there's a heat signature over there. There's someone definitely there or an animal. You can make it out if it's an animal or if it's a human. But this person was scanning this commanding officer was scanning over the outpost, going into the distance, and the radio started going off, and he heard a voice, and then it would be static, and he kept hearing it and hearing it. So now I got to a point where the radio is a lifeline in not just military, especially military, because if you need to call in help or a medical evac or something like uh, a military, uh, you know, a military response team to come, like you know, backup or you know, a flyover to help to help you in a situation. A radio is definitely a hundred percent a lifeline that you need, and that's just for not just for military. It's just it's for uh, firefighters when they're into a building that's burning down. They call for help. Hey, this beam came down. We can't get out. We need someone else in here. Especially police officers and even at places where you know, you, at work, where you have large areas of land, you need radios to communicate, because sometimes phones might not work. But in military, radios is pretty much critical. And the static kept happening, so he made it a point to get in touch with the other people on the other side of the radio. They're, they're you know, um, they're... Central, let's call it, because in police terms, central is something that they call. Hey, central, you know, give me a report, whatever. So there, this commanding officer was hearing the static, and he called over the radio and said, "Hey, are you guys trying to call unit such and such? I'm getting radio static, and the response from the other side, from let's call it central or from you know another command post that was not as close to the action." As they were in OP Rock, Afghanistan, they responded back. No, we're not. We're not calling anybody, anything in. We're not trying to contact you. So what this person was getting that night, while he was watching over the outpost, was complete static and words from something else. Now it's a possibility that there could be radio. ...waves crossing over from even the Taliban out there, but not probable because these radios are very high-tech military-grade things... ...where they make it in a way where this situation wouldn't happen like that. So he didn't really think much of it, and he took the battery out and put it back in. It happened a few more times, and then the morning broke. And throughout the day, the soldiers, the I believe seven of them, like I said, were going about their day, doing what they have to do, keeping guard eating, drinking, showering and drinking, ice, I mean water and staying hydrated because you're out in the desert and getting ready for nightfall. And the goal for this was to just watch if the Taliban were trying to do anything and the outposts had importance for ground and intel. Now, the next night, the commanding officer said, before you go and stay guard all night, I highly suggest that you change the radio because I had some radio static last night and it's something that, you know, if you're going to be on guard and you got to call for help, you should have a working radio. And the next soldier that was going to stand guard that night pretty much was like, okay, you know, I'll do what I have to do. So that night, the commanding officer from the night prior was sleeping and resting. Next man up to stand guard was looking out into the distance. And this person started to hear disembodied voices not coming from the radio. And he turned around and was looking at all his fellow soldiers sleeping. And thought to himself, I clearly heard somebody right over my shoulder, but I'm looking at all my unit and they're all sleeping. So then he turns around and sees out into the distance someone standing there watching him. He's looking at someone watching him. And he quickly grabs the binoculars and looks out and clearly sees something in the shape of a man. And then he drops the binoculars and goes to grab the thermal vision goggles so that he can make certain that he's not seeing something. It's not a dehydration. It's not a a mirage. It's nothing from being out open all day and and dehydrated and being out in the heat of Afghanistan. So he grabs the thermal vision and he looks out there and he sees that through the thermal vision there's nothing there. So he kind of was like, wait a second, I just saw something. So he drops the thermal vision and goes to pick up the binoculars and when he pans back up to the spot with the binoculars, the image isn't there, but then he pans a little closer and whatever the figure was that he couldn't pick up on the thermal visions that he originally saw through the binoculars now when he switched back from thermal to binoculars and looked it's actually closer and it was just standing there looking at him so then he goes to wake everybody up he wakes everybody up and they're all looking and there's nothing there they're looking around there's absolutely nothing there and the next morning they talk about what possibly it was you know malfunction it was possibly an animal and the person was entirely freaked out. Now later on what ends up happening is one of the people in the troop was so bothered by what they saw and was in this this unit for for quite some time and deployed that between the disembodied voices that continued to happen and seeing things he reached out to his commanding officer and says, I need to leave on a medical leave. I'm not feeling right. I don't feel safe here. And pretty much the permission was granted when the commanding officer of the unit reached out to the central over the radio. They sent the evac in and evac him out. And he was granted permission to be evac from the OP Rock Afghanistan, the observation post, because that night bothered him looking out. And seeing something that wasn't there and then continued to hear disembodied voices and feelings of being watched. So between the radio static and one soldier seeing this and then it happened to be that everybody was seeing something like this out there in Afghanistan. Everybody was always on guard and feeling really spooked out, disembodied voices, seeing images of soldiers, and fearing for their life because they are in a war zone where the Taliban at any moment can decide to overrun and swarm the observation post, and there's only seven of them, and now they're down a man. So now it's getting closer to closer to basically their D-Day, their EvaC day, where they don't no longer have to stay there. They're gonna have another unit come in from another country or another service unit, whether it be the SEALs, the army, um, or you know, the British troops again or Italian troops, so on and so forth. More troop another group was gonna come there and spend the time. And throughout the entirety of their stay at OP Rock, Afghanistan. The paranormal events ranged from what I was saying, from disembodied voices to seeing things to hearing things and feeling of dread and being watched. But on one particular night, while one of the unit members was guarding, they hear shots go off. And now everybody wakes up because now everybody heard it. It wasn't just privy to one person. There were shots and bombs going up and everybody dropped to cover and kneeled down and took their firearm and stayed in a prone position, crouching down in that what was dug up in the observation post, pretty much like a trench up there so they wouldn't get their heads taken out. And they were hearing a barrage of bullets and explosions and they couldn't really do anything because of what was going on. If they peeked their head out, they don't know where they were getting shot from. They just knew that it sounded like a whole bunch of fire going off and they really couldn't return the fire because it was just too much and, and, Eventually, some of them were trying to get a vantage point, but they couldn't really see where the fire was coming from, and it would get louder and louder, causing one of the people that was trying to see what was going on to see where the fire was coming from to drop back down into these trenches so they wouldn't get hit or shot in the head. And the fire went on from all night into the early early hours of the morning when the sun went up, and then eventually the firing, the sounds of bullets and bombs and gunfire, finally ceased to, to to happen. And then after a good 20 minutes, they all sat there when the fire stopped. Now it's in the morning hours. They're all looking at each other, and then they get up to try to take points to see, okay, where is anybody? Did they retreat? What happened? What was going on? And they start just noticing as they're walking around in the top level of this observation post where they heard the bullets on the top because this is kind of like a compound type, you know, construction, you know, it's a almost, hard to describe, like a three-story type, four-story type building where they have trenches where they can take cover and they were walking around the top where they heard the fire going off after coming out of these man-made trenches looking around for bullets and, and they didn't see anything up there. Now, they're clearly looking around, of course, using caution looking into the distance. They don't see anything. They're looking on the floor for shells over the ledges. They don't see shells. They don't see any kind of grenade or RPGs or anything planted. No trucks. No prints. So now, commanding officer took a couple of members while a couple of them stayed on top on the top of the post so they had bird's eye view of what was going on when they left the premises. And they all searched around the premises for bullets and certain types of anything that would show that the Taliban was there firing at them from the basic middle of the night all the way to the morning. And when the commanding officer took the troops around the premises, there was nothing. There was no shells, there was no footprints, no tire marks, nothing that gave any assumption or any evidence that somebody was there firing at them all night. Later on, it came to light that this was a war zone prior to the events of the Taliban being there and fighting this new war after 9-11. It happened to be that the Russians had been stationed there many, many years prior, years ago, years ago, and these Russians were wiped out, and there was mass burial of people that were there, and it wasn't just Russians, it even dated back further than that. So that ground of OP Rock Afghanistan was not only an outpost modern time, but a post. it was actually a post from wars and um, battles in years prior, and... Soldiers that fought years and years prior to the events of Afghanistan and the Taliban forming. It was a burial ground. And they were finding throughout their stay this military unit, the Marines. And people still to this day find tons and tons of bones. So that was what the British troops were warning the Marines when they came in to put things back. Because they felt that whatever they were digging up when they were there was causing paranormal activity. So many years ago, the Russians were fighting people there, and there was mashed casualties in that area from prior battles and prior wars, and the bones of the soldiers that have died were all buried in this particular location, causing this military combat zone, OP Rock, Afghanistan, to be a paranormal hotspot while during war times. So paranormal activity is not just prone or singular to haunted houses or other items where you would usually hear and see on TV shows and movies, it can also happen in war and in overseas. And Afghanistan happens to be a highly talked about place in regards to the paranormal, with weird things ranging from djinns, which is a type of genie slash cryptid that people believe in, in the area of Afghanistan, to giants in Afghanistan, to UFOs and other abnormal cryptid stories. So Afghanistan has a high, high rate of story of paranormal activity. And this is just one story that involved the United States troops, Taliban and OP, in OP Rock, Afghanistan, which was the name of the outpost where these Marines were witnessing paranormal activity during their military deployment. So I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to Episode 71, Season 3 of the Say What Again Billy podcast. I hope to give you guys stories like this. Thank you for everyone who's listened since Season 1, Episode 1, my pilot episode, which was only 15 minutes. I hope to give you some new content and new stories and hope to have a lot more listeners and followers. And everyone repeating that coming back, repeat listeners, I hope you keep coming back to listen to my Paranormal Talk. I'm going to have a whole bunch of new content, a whole bunch of new talk, lots of people on. And I just hope that everyone enjoys the content, that I'm still going strong, three seasons in, 71 episodes. And i like to thank the Anchor app for that. Anchor is by Spotify, And if you don't have Anchor, download it. If you have a podcasting idea, Anchor gives you everything you need to get your podcasting idea out there. Free tools and everything you need. And you will be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many other outlets just by downloading Anchor and using that by Spotify. So I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. If you want to catch me on Instagram, my Instagram plug and name is SWAB underscore podcast, which is short for the Say What Again Billy podcast. Everybody, welcome to another season, and I hope you guys listen again. And until next time, this is the Say What Again Billy podcast.